Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Back of the Guide Shack. Today I'm talking with Will Volpert. How's it going, Will? It's going very well, thank you. Uh, today I kind of wanted to just touch on some stuff about like how the commercial side of the Klamath is pretty well shut down, at least for the next couple of years. Um, yeah. You, have, you probably have a lot of thoughts on that. Oh, I've got thoughts. Lots of thoughts. So how do you feel about the dams gone, and then what are we actually looking to see in the future at this point? So today, there are five dams on the Klamath. There were six, but one of the Copco dams was taken out in July. And it's basically fully removed. Part of the dam removal project um, is to take out both Copco's, Iron Gate, and John C. Boyle. So there's three dams coming out um, within the next year. And that will still leave two dams upstream, Keno and Upper Klamath Lake. And this year was our last season of peaking flows out of John C. Boyle. Once John C. Boyle is removed, there will no longer be peaking flows. And so that's not the end. That itself is not like the end of commercial boating on the upper Klamath, but it does play a role in why we will have a diminished season there. Um, next year in 2024, nobody, as far as I know, will be up on the upper Klamath because it will be like a full on construction site. And so there will be access issues. They don't necessarily want people on the river um, during deconstruction and so my understanding is that there will not be commercial rafting on the upper Klamath in 2024 the first time that we'll have access to the Klamath post dam on the upper Klamath anyway will likely be 2025 and then we will be dealing with or not dealing but the reality will be there won't be peaking flows out of John C. Boyle because John C. Boyle won't exist and it's still a regulated flow because it's coming out of Keno uh, but there's going to be a significant learning curve in how we operate and figure out how to run trips because the flow is going to be much lower than what we're used to uh, or what we've been used to um, and particularly the Hell's Corner stretch um, we've done flow studies there at what we believe to be the post dam removal flows and the way that we run trips today is definitely not how we'll be able to run trips in the future the boats are just too big mm, yeah or... yeah you know it's not really a boat size thing i mean you can run big boats down really small right rivers uh how much they draw uh in the water is important the heavy the heaviest thing that we carry on almost all of our trips is people. And so if you have a 16-foot raft or a 14-foot raft and you have six people in it, um, plus a guide, it typically weighs a fair amount. You know, it could be, depending on the people, could be like 1,500 pounds. Right. Um, and in some cases, having a bigger boat is actually to your advantage than having a small boat. You know, if you have 1,500 pounds in a 12-foot boat, that's going to draw a lot more than 1,500 pounds in a 16-foot boat. 
so the size of the boat i'm not too concerned about the size of the size of the boat it's more um is it physically well how many how much weight can we actually carry in the boats and right. certainly i mean to a certain extent sometimes the size does matter <laughs> size matters uh because well, size doesn't matter until it does matter yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh in some cases, it's just not possible to put a big boat in a between two rocks that are three feet apart. I've tried. It doesn't work well. It's, I mean, you can do it. <laughs> you but gotta, you got to do like a low side yeah. and get the raft tilted to yeah, get it through. Yeah. So anyway, it's more about, you know, just the, the river's super shallow up there. You know, the, the riverbed itself is very wide. Um, if you put 800 CFS in a narrow riverbed, it holds water better as in the water, it's typically a deeper channel. If you take 800 CFS and you put it in a really wide riverbed, then obviously just even like river guide math would tell you that it's shallower. Mm -hmm. Um, and you don't want to draw as much water. So, so it's really, uh, uh, an issue because it's going to be difficult I foresee it being difficult on the Hell's Corner stretch to run profitable trips up there because uh, you're gonna. We're probably gonna end up when we are up there having way fewer people in boats um, than what we're used to. Just and, a massive reduction in weight. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing: is what I say today is my understanding from what I've experienced so far, and what we've we've participated in these flow studies and kind of seen. How the river is but the truth is is that when you see the a new river the first time if it's a difficult challenging river your first time down might be the most challenging time you've ever done it and then the second time you might say oh i've been here before i'm going to try this and then your third time you might say i'm going to do something really wild and try this and then by the time you've been down there a couple dozen times that's the learning curve thing Right. You know, like you've experimented, you've kind of figured it out. There's going to be rapid, like Hell's Corner, the actual Hell's Corner rapid. To me, the entrance is almost impossible at low flows to get through without clobbering rocks and getting stuck. Even just rowing yourself in a 12-foot raft, it's difficult. Um, but you get down there a few times and someone's going to say hey i entered here last week and cut here and moved behind this rock and there's a channel there and then other people will start doing that and then someone will say oh at the bottom i did this and you'll start piecing it together and and uh i wouldn't be surprised if we start making it work but from what i've seen so far i feel like that's kind of it's going to be a challenge yeah. so we're aiming for 2025 okay to be back out there 2025 it seems like so far away it is a long ways away um are we going to have an opportunity to go play on that section before 2025 or is that when they're going to start allowing people to be on the river i bet that we're able to get out there before 2025 um and i suspect that I suspect that there will be opportunities, maybe even potentially next summer, to check things out. I haven't. I'm not certain on that, but I think that there will be opportunities for us to get out there. Certainly not in a commercial capacity, but um, in 
you know, not a commercial capacity next year, but just to scope it out, there are some, there might be some roads that we can, you know, topsy grade, we might be able to get in through there. Um, and then certainly, you know, when the deconstruction is actually complete and there are no longer, you know, road closures or construction things happening, you know, that's, that's probably fall of 2024. And so we could probably get out there then. Of course, then the water will be about as low as it gets because it's the fall and yeah, and there's we'll, no we'll learn a lot. There's no peaking low water. flow. Yeah, we'll we'll be able to get out there. So that'll be cool. That'll be fun. Um, and you know, in the reality, in in reality, twenty twenty five is not too far off. I will say it, it is an odd thing to hit the pause button on a large chunk of our business for one whole summer. So that's something we have not experienced before. And, uh, right. Since you've started the company, you've just been growing. You've mm -hmm. never had a reduction of sections that you run. We've never really lost a section. I mean, we, we, st we didn't operate on the Scott river for a few years. Um, I think maybe that's but, something we'll do next summer. Uh, not in the summer cause it doesn't oh, run in spring. the summer, but maybe in the spring, if the water's there, I could see us being up there. Um, but you know, the upper Klamath for us this year, we ran quite a few people up there and it'll just be interesting to see how it all plays out. You know, what, you know, for our customers and for staff and we've, we've, oftentimes been short staffed or short rafts or short vans or short frames or short oars and you know have pieced it all together and next year we've got all of a sudden we've got we're kind of like very wealthy in vans right now <laughs> <laughs> and trailers and boats and and you know we've got Gear, it's a good i mean it's you're gear a, rich at the moment yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's kind of it's fun to be short stuff because you know that like you know like it feels good to be like maxed out everybody's getting all the work they yeah, can get yeah so it's it's fun to be short unless it's a, like a, a stupid thing that you're short and you're like ah, oh, damn it i made my life more difficult but um at the same time like I, I, having the excess stuff i'm like this is like very comfortable like it's not <laughs> Well, and I know how you feel about being comfortable. You're not into it. Yeah, this is <laughs> <laughs> being comfortable is kind of uncomfortable sometimes. You know, you don't want to be too comfortable. But um, yeah, you know, most of all, <clears throat> with the Klamath stuff, I'm just looking forward to getting through it and the dams coming out, which will be a big victory for a lot of folks and um, being able to get back out on the river and hopefully you know it's a healthy healthier river and we're able and, and i think that there's going to be a lot of interest in seeing it after the dams come out so hopefully we're busy up there which is good for our business and is also just good for restoration projects like this to be able to show people um you know what a significant giant project like this uh can do for a river and i mean i'm biased i think that it probably will lead to a healthier klamath river and and is a great thing for 
environmental reasons. Uh, but I also, uh, I was wrong once before. <laughs> well, only uh, one, only one time. Uh, I'm also, you know, prepared for surprises along the way and things, you know, very rarely do things go exactly as planned. So speaking of surprises, so you've had an opportunity to go run Ward's Canyon, right? Oh yeah. Okay. So when they blast these dams, which for everybody listening who listened to two podcasts ago where I said there's no way they're just going to blast the dams, as it turns out, that's exactly what they're going to do. Well, kind of. <laughs> kind of. They are. There are some explosives involved. Right. But that's point, mainly, mainly just to drain the reservoirs. Right. But also there's a lot of sediment that's going to get moved. Yes. And is that going to, do you think that's going to significantly change Ward's Canyon? Mm. Having all that sediment getting washed down into it? Oh. I don't, I mean, sediment that moved, like sediment, you know, there's different ideas of what sediment is. But the sediment that's moved in this process is like. Real sludgy. Sludgy. Like it's not large things that are going to be there indefinitely. Um, I don't, I don't believe it would change anything. I mean, so Wards Canyon uh, it's also going to just send a ton of water yeah. down there. So okay, so there's a couple different factors. One is uh, Ward's Canyon has had large amounts of water in it before. Right. So before the dams, there were large amounts of water that traveled through Ward's Canyon. Now historically, we don't see huge spikes um, like you do on the Rogue or on the Lower Klamath. You know where it goes to like. 500,000 CFS or whatever, you know, on the, on the upper side of things, it's very unusual for the upper Klamath to get over 5,000 CFS. You know, that happens every few years. It's very, un, it's more unusual for it to, uh, get over eight, nine, 10,000 CFS. I don't know if I've seen it over 10,000 CFS. So you don't get these big, this the high volume, uh, uh, flows that you see in other play in other nearby rivers or sections um but regardless there won't i don't think that there's going to be more than uh i'm almost certain that there will not be more than like ten thousand cfs coming out of wards canyon or going into wards canyon from the other dams. from the other dams um and but the other layer is that even with the dams in place Occasionally, they would have to flush Wards Canyon because what would here's what would happen is really cool. Uh, there's no gauge at Wards Canyon, I don't believe. But every once in a while, the dam operator there, well, here's what would happen is, is there's Copco 1 and Copco 2, and uh, I always get confused by which one's which, but the big one, the one that holds up Copco Lake, mm-hmm. um, that uh, releases water down to the other Copco. The other Copco takes the water and then pushes it into a uh, pipe or canal. And then it circum, uh, circumnavigates or whatever. No, it goes around the river. Portages. Through, it portages the river and goes through a mountain in a tunnel. And then it goes into a powerhouse and then it gets put back in the river. But what would happen is, like the inlet to get to that pipe, sometimes it would fill up with wa- with logs, 
like there'd be big logs that would come down and so the dam operator if that happened because they don't want the logs going into the pipe he would flush wards canyon they would just open the gates and just let the logs go yeah they let the logs go and so oh my god so when i first heard of wards canyon it was because my friend bill cross who lives in ashland he came into my office and he's like we gotta go run wards canyon they're flushing it right now and he's like, I've got a number for the dam operator. He called me. He said, they're flushing it. We got to go. And I was like, I've never heard of it. And he showed me a video and it would look terrifying because not only was it a huge <laughs> amount of water going through this, like logs. this canyon with trees, but there are also <laughs> huge logs going down. I was like, I don't know, Bill. I was like, that looks like we will die. <laughs> and he's like, this will, he's like, I just want to get in there. It'll be amazing. And we just, we never did it. Um, and so my point is, is, there's been water in there before, you know, pre-dam, even during the dams. Here's the here's the tricky element, though, is they've taken the trees out of Wards Canyon. So there's they, a destabilizing... Like, they logged it, basically? Uh, I wouldn't like call the it... the base, or like down to the channel? Yeah, I wouldn't call it logging. I'd call it restor- restoring to its natural element. However, okay. you know, there's... Uh, well, it's been dewatered for a hundred years. It's been dewatered. There's so all these trees, trees growing in it. It's not. It's not natural to have trees growing in a riverbed normally. Um, that has consistent water in it. And so they uh, a few weeks ago, um, they they did log it. They they lo- they did helicopter logging in Wards Canyon. Cut the trees out that were in the river channel. I haven't put eyes on it. I'm hoping that they cut them very close to the ground (laughs) so there's no surprises in there um but i guess you know i guess there could be like a destabilizing element to that you know you cut out some trees and then the roots and maybe like if the roots came out then there's a destabilize so yeah so i don't know maybe maybe it will change okay so here's how it could change it is it could um uh you know with the sediment it could fill in certain areas and, and, you know, if there's a tree down somewhere, you know, you'll, you'll see this on the upper rogue, you know, at, uh, uh, on the two vel stretch, the table rock stretch where, um, you know, trees fall into the river and then there's so much sediment there during high flows because of the previous dam that was there, uh, in the lake that was there, that, uh, the tree falls into the river and then the water pushes sediment into it, and all of a sudden there's an, there's sediment filling in behind that tree, and it creates you know uh, a bit of an eddy and fills in more and more and more, and all of a sudden the channel's moved off to the side because of you know just a tree that fell into the river and it changed the whole river mm. channel. So maybe maybe something like that could potentially happen, but honestly, it's such a narrow river canyon or riverbed uh i feel like anything that's in the water is going to flush downstream um that's hard to say without knowing um but we will know in the coming years yeah when are they supposed to actually blast it yeah so what they're doing is they're drilling these big holes on the downstream face of the dam and an engineer somewhere said we want you to drill these big holes until you're within X number of feet of the face of the dam on the upstream side. And then 
and the holes are very large. I can't remember. Like they're they're very they're like eight foot, ten foot. It's like you can walk like into you can them. walk into them. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how they're doing that, but uh, but anyway, the the idea is that they drill these big holes. You get within X feet of the face of of the dam, and then uh, sometime in January of this upcoming year, they will I think simultaneously blow up the remaining portions of those tunnels. So that's where the dynamite comes in. Right, which then makes me think that like large chunks of concrete are going to end up going down river and creating new river features. Yeah, concrete won't go far. Concrete tends to sink. That's fair. And stop. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll be able to just pick it all up afterwards. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they try to do, it seems like they're trying to do everything in a very environmentally sensitive way. But inevitably, I mean, there's going to be you know, some probably some debris that ends up in the river, I guess. Hope, hopefully not, but you're right. I think that if they use explosives, then there'd probably be concrete in the river. Maybe they're <laughs> going to just pick it up. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's shallow. Yeah, maybe that's their plan. They're I don't just going to make it shallow enough that they can go through and pick up all the big chunks. Yeah. Or maybe they'll... Maybe they're banking on it not going very far. <laughs> but, I mean, it won't. It really shouldn't go that far. Well, I mean, the concrete blocks that came off the cliff below Galice, they only went like 20 feet. Yeah. And they're just sitting right on the side of the river. Oh. So that's fun. Yeah. Well, like the drive into Fisher's Ferry. Yeah. Um, the old bridge piling. I mean, that's a very big piece of concrete, but it just fell over. And it's never moved. Just, forms a, at, I will say at like 15,000 CFS, it forms a very large hole. <laughs> you do not want to go over the old bridge piling at 15,000. <laughs> just real munchy. Yeah. So, as, I mean, concrete, yeah, it sucks to have concrete in the river, especially, especially if it's sharp. Hypothetically, over time, it'll get worn down a little bit. The worst thing is rebar, you know, and those two yeah. kind of go hand in hand. So... I'd imagine that if there if there's rebar in the river, that they're gonna try to pull it all out. Well, I hope they do, because they didn't do that at the uh, irrigation dam above Nugget. And if you go oh, yeah. too far to the left, there's a big chunk of rebar sticking up that'll just rip your whole boat open. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, oh neat. Well, on the Nugget over there. on the Nugget stretch, the old uh, diversion dam right above uh, Powerhouse Rapid. Um, used to run that. Just go over the dam. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the way, did you ever run it? No. So first time I ever, uh, ran a nugget trip, I was an SOU student. It's 2004 and there was this outdoor program. So <laughs> I, I was like, I don't really want to be, I was like, I just would be fun to like meet some like people who enjoy going out on the river. So I went to the outdoor program and I was like, hey. And also, I was broke. So I was like, oh, I could be a guide for the outdoor program. And so I went to the outdoor program and I was like, hey, um, I'd like to be a guide. I work in Idaho, blah, 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 blah. And the guy there, he said, uh, his name's Eric. He said, oh, yeah, you can work for us, but you have to uh, do our guide school. So I was like, oh, okay. So I did their guide school. And we went out to Nugget for one of the days. And I... Uh, I was in a boat with 
bunch of other kids who wanted to be guides for the outdoor program or were, or just wanted to learn how to boat. Like some of them weren't guides, they just wanted to learn how to boat. And I didn't end up actually running the boat. And I mean, how are you going to do that? There's two rapids, so you, six six people in a boat. It's hard to give everybody accomplish a that. So anyway, so we did a nugget trip, and I and I was like, oh yeah, that was that was cool, that was fun. I was like, oh, it's so close to here, you know, that, that was great. And the next day, I think it was the next day or later that week, I got a phone call, and he said, hey, do you want to do a do a trip? And I said, yeah, I'll do a trip. That sounds great. And it occurred to me, though, that I was like, I actually haven't run. I, I just paddled in the like, front I of the boat. I just paddled along, you know. <laughs> but I was, you know, very confident. And uh, so I said, yeah, I'll do that. And uh, we got to Nugget. And I think it was like, like one of those really low flows where the bottom hole is very sticky. Like mm-hmm. if, if you hit it with any speed at all, you'll go through it. But if you somehow hit it with like no speed or just a terrible angle then it can surf you. And I, uh, I knocked everyone out of the boat in the bottom hole. It surfed forever. I was like, I can't believe this boat's going to flip. And it didn't flip, but everyone was swimming. and, <laughs> and uh, Except for me. And I, uh, we, I popped out of the hole, and I was like, wow, this is wild. This is <laughs> I was like, this is my first trip here. I picked up my people, and they were fine because they were college students. They were very bendy and stuff, and uh and then we got to the dam oh it used to be that the dam backed water up all the way to the bottom of nugget so you had this really long like lake lake (laughs) (laughs) and it would always be windy so you'd be like forward ten thousand, and they would paddle and paddle and paddle and paddle and like today you know there's current but there's i mean it's still pretty flat at least there's current though but back then it was kind of miserable and we get to the dam, and the dam didn't go straight across the river. It would go at, like, a funny angle from left to right. Like, the left side was way upstream, and the right side was way downstream. And in some places, it almost went parallel to the river. It's hard to imagine that, but it did. It went – and the reason it did that is because the river, when it when it hits Powerhouse Rapid or Tulamique Falls, uh, it turned slightly to the left. And so the dam went straight down and hit that bend. And because of that – if you're into running dams, which no one really is into running dams, but uh, just like any hydraulic or pour over, you typically want to go off them pretty straight. And so the current's moving downstream, like perfectly straight downstream, but it's pouring off the dam sideways, like off to the left. And so, I mean, it's, it doesn't take a rocket science to, scientist to figure it out. You point your boat to the left, and then you'd want to get some momentum so, you, so that you weren't drifting, so that you're moving more to the left than you were downstream, you know? When you stuck when you, onto that yeah. feature. <laughs> yeah. And then also, since it, went, since it started up high and then went way downstream, the higher up you went, the, the shorter the dam was. Oh, yeah. The further downstream you went, the bigger the drop cut. Yeah. Super fun. And if you if you tried to go off of it too high, you would get stuck. And then if you went off of it too low, it was like you're like going off a low head dam. It's very dangerous. <laughs> so there are two there are two things I experienced there. The first two trips that I had. The first time I was like, okay, like I'm a river guide, and I got up to the dam, and I don't remember. I didn't remember the training thing at all, but I knew. I knew that I probably wanted to hit it straight and 
have an angle. But I didn't realize was that the boat would get totally vertical and that being in the back of the boat, you really needed to hold on to something. And so what I did is I said forward one, forward two, whatever. And then my boat got about halfway over the dam and then immediately turned to totally vertical. And I realized in that moment that I had made a mistake and my uh, body <laughs> departed the back of the raft and I fell. It was like a, like a, a dive kind of, and I fell and my face broke my fall <laughs> oh my God. off the bow. I hit the bow of the boat with my face and I flopped into the river at the bottom of a low head dam. And then my people, they, they must've been students also. They were, they were kind of shocked that I had like flown by them and collided with the front of the raft. And then they pulled me in in the process of doing this. Uh, my nose was over here. I'd smashed my face. My nose was over here. I was bleeding everywhere. And they pulled me back in. And like something you never say as a guide is you never say, uh, this is my first time doing this, right? So because that like immediately you lose all credibility, everyone. Um, <laughs> and so I like popped into the raft and they're like, oh my God, are you okay? And like, I was like, a like my nose was like a geyser of blood and i said oh it, it don't worry it happens all the time <laughs> <laughs> this, this and, happens all the yeah. time your nose yeah. gets broken yeah. so anyway so, and then we and then we made it through power i don't even remember powerhouse we made it through powerhouse and then the next time i was there i'm like oh, i gotta be really careful of this damn i gotta hold on do the thing and so you <laughs> I see. I saw use boats at the time, and maybe they still have this. But they had these uh, uh, loops, the one inch, one inch webbing uh, loops through the self bailing holes, like flip loops, uh -huh. basically, so that if you turned over, which their boats were always turning over, um, you could just reach over with your paddle or your whatever and reflip the boat. Well, I was going off the dam, and my boat stopped, totally vertical. And I couldn't figure out what it was stuck on. And a piece of rebar had caught the, the loop. The loop. And I can't remember how we got it off. Maybe we cut, cut it. Or, cut it? Or maybe we got everyone out of the boat and just lifted it up and over the rebar. I don't remember, but oh anyway. Yeah, rebar. <laughs> and you're like, don't go over that spot anymore. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I had one more bad experience there. And then I decided that I would forever just portage. Because the dam uh, went into a rock in the center of the river. And then continued beyond that rock downstream. And so what I would do is I would paddle my boat into the rock. And I'd be like, okay, everyone, jump out. And we would just, like, carry the raft over the rock and continue on our way. That seems way easier. It way was, less stressful. It was it was a nicer experience that way. But. <laughs> Yeah, so I was, I was. They took that. They took that dam out the same year as Gold Raid Dam. That was in 2010, and yeah. of course we started. Indigo started up in 2011, and so we got to be out there the first season that that dam was gone, and I was pretty happy about that. Just had to figure out the new lines. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've never, uh, I've never seen it with the dams. I started, well, I got out here in like 2013, so it was all gone. Yeah. I lived in Gold Hill, so I just go sit up there and watch rafts and kayakers go by. I'm like, man, that looks like so much fun. <laughs> Turns out it is. Yeah, it's quite <laughs> enjoyable. Highly recommend. Um, and, it's, and, you know, the Nugget Stretch, Rogue Valley Rapid Run, Powerhouse, 
it's not the best stretch in the world. It's you definitely know. an interesting stretch. But it is very cool that it's in the vicinity of Medford and Phoenix and Ashland. And it does have some fun rapids on it. And I think we're lucky to have it. I know, you know, I know some people are like, Oh, I'll never go out there and run that again. You know, I'm going to do other stuff. And it's, there's a, there's a nice thing about convenience. Well, not only that, but like just how easy it is to get there, the convenience of that, and you can do laps. There's oh, yeah. trails on both sides. You can just go to the bottom and carry your boat back up if you're willing to. And I've gone out there and spent all day doing just powerhouse over and over mm-hmm. and over and tra- taking all the potential different lines. And you're like, well, this is a very interesting place. Too yeah. bad we only do one little strip, but... Yeah, the, powerhouse is, diff- is more difficult to lap than nugget, I think. Well, actually... You don't think so? No, at the oh, bottom. at the bottom you go left. You go left yeah. and you paddle yeah, right yeah. back up. Yeah, and then you yeah, only have yeah. to carry the raft like 100 yards. No, that's true. So Nugget used to be very easy because there was an open canal. And they piped it at one point. I can't remember, like 2016 or 2017, they piped it. But it used to be that you could run Nugget, pull over on the left, carry your boat, you know, 50 feet to a canal. And then you could paddle it back upstream. You could drag it back upstream, whatever. And when we would train guides, we would be there all day long. And it was so easy. Mm-hmm. Like, because no, carrying a raft, I don't know anyone in the world who's like, I love carrying rafts. It depends on the raft. There's nothing fun about carrying a raft. There's a lot of things fun about carrying a really light raft. Okay. Is when you walk past a group of six people carrying a raft and you're by yourself and you're moving faster than them. That is very enjoyable. Yeah. But the well, act of carrying a boat, if I could get around it forever, I would. Yeah. It's, you all agree with me on this. It's more fun to float in a raft than carry a raft. Oh, definitely. Okay. Yeah. So we can agree there. Um, uh, so one time we were doing uh, nugget training and I said, hey guys, we want to lap nugget as much as possible today. And so we're using the nice canal and partway through our day we're all in the water and sometimes the canal would have too much water and so there'd be like fast current and it was still easier to like drag just it drag up. the boat up this canal than carry it on shore and so i think all of us some of us were in the water in the canal like pulling the boat you know we're up to our chest basically pulling this boat upstream and someone in our group goes hey guys watch that and i look upstream and there's a body floating down the canal. A human body? Well, I couldn't tell. There's, a, there's obviously a body of something coming downstream. And I jumped into the raft. And then everyone else jumped into the raft. And then the dead, bloating pig rammed us. <laughs> <laughs> and Oh, my God. And floated underneath the boat and then popped out downstream and continued downstream. I was like, I don't know if I want to be in the canal anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm done with the canal for today. But anyway, well, now that the season's over. I mean, all the boats are all rolled up. Like you're pretty much completely done, right? What are your plans yeah. for the winter? What are you going to do now? Well, do you have any like big trips planned this winter? I don't know. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I do. Well, okay, so being a river guide in the winter, I try to figure out, like, what it's like. You know, sometimes people like to know, like, it's, sometimes it's easier to wrap your brain around something if there's comparisons, right? So I, I've come to the conclusion that it's like being Batman in, the ci- in a city with no crime. Ooh, that's rough. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah, you're like, I'm not needed. Yeah, that I feel that. That sounds like a mouse. Yeah. I also heard that. In your warehouse somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I'm ba- going to... Batman with no crime. I'm going to spend about half my winter trying to find this mouse. <laughs> Fair. Uh, no, let's see. Big trips. I don't really have too many trips planned. I've got... Uh, some projects that I'm working on, um, kind of businessy stuff. None of it would be interesting for anyone, but it's like we're changing reservation systems. That takes a lot of. It shouldn't take a lot of time, but it's so boring. You know, how, like sometimes the most boring things, you just take forever. Like uploading pictures. Yeah. So, anyway, so I'm doing that. <laughs> we're gonna redo our website. Um, we've got this building thing. Yeah forever project down there we're working through the apps for that um i'm the general contractor for that so hypothetically we're going to get a building permit and then i will actually have to start doing things um and let's see uh probably do some road trips the illinois is going to reopen you know it's in the flat fire um closure the tail end of it is and it should reopen in the next week or so and so i'll get out there Probably won't spend too much time on the Smith this year just because of the fires. Yeah, those fires might have really destroyed some of those drainages. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm, but more, have, I'm, I'm more worried about well, with the... the Smith, you have lots and lots of super high flows that just flush yeah, all that Yeah, out. I'm more thinking like the roads are going to... 199 is going to slide every time it rains probably. Or, you know, uh, not... Uh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. that'll be fun. Um, So... It would, it's, you know, if for some reason in my brain, like if I do an Illinois trip, I come off the river and I learn that 199's closed, then I'll just go up the coast and cut over. But if I'm on the Smith for what's supposed to be a day trip, it would be brutal to be down there and then be like, oh, like, I'm not going home tonight. So anyway, so anyway, yeah, looking forward to some fair. of that stuff. And... That's basically it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. No big plans. What about you? You going anywhere? I don't think so. Oh. I think I'm mostly just going to be working with dogs uh, at the shelter Mm. through the winter. That's my big plans. Ooh. Actually, no. I'm going to make a set of oars this winter. I'm going to try my hand at that. Oh. Soggy bottom boy oars or wood oars? Wood oars. Oh. Uh, They're going to be wood wrapped in carbon fiber and then fiberglassed and made all super duper sweet but uh yeah well i just figured it would take probably less time for me to make myself a set of oars than if i ordered what i wanted from sawyer's it might so you know a rope wrap takes nine months i don't know how much the rest of the ore takes but (laughs) yeah i mean if if you have time yeah and you have the skills to make your own thing, why wouldn't you? Unless unless it takes too much time. B, 
because I look at things and then I realize that they're not the way that I want them. Like, I just gave Ian his paddle. And Ian's like, this is amazing. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't like this and I don't like this and I don't like this. And he's like, I can't even tell what you're talking about. Like, okay. So that's just a me thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that happens when anyone puts time and effort into a project. You know it inside and out and know what the flaws are. I hate flaws. And oftentimes nobody else will know. I should just stop telling people like, where the flaws are and see if they just say something. That's an option. The word, For me, I do it like anything that I kind of build. I'm like, oh, this shelf is not <laughs> level. Like, I can see it from here. Yeah, that one's not either. That one's not level. Since we're looking at them and paying attention. Yeah. And but no, I, I, did, I worked in here all summer. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Now that you're pointing it out, though. That's kind of irritating. <laughs> so, yeah. So when you do the when you do the new building, you're going to make sure there's no unlevel shelves? Well, here's, here's the thing is you can either spend a bunch of time making sure everything is level or you could spend zero time making sure everything is not level. And that works best if 100% of everything is not level because so that nothing looks so you, there's nothing to compare it to right so just don't ever use a level yeah. and then nothing's going to be perfect to be matched yeah. off of and it's also better for a runoff that makes sense yeah so if you know if there's a slight slope then you know water just doesn't pool up so. no everything will be done really well down there um, so oh yeah and partially because uh, TJ is working at the perfect measuring tape now yeah the old so, PMT, perfect measuring tape. Yeah, so he's going to help us out with some of our measuring. <laughs> and as in he's going to help you out by getting you a measuring tape? Yes. Or he's going to physically uh, show I want up him and to, measure for He's everyone. our measurer. He's just going to, anything that needs to be cut has to be cut by TJ, measured yeah. and cut by TJ. Yeah, so I figure that will be, that will be beneficial for us. Um but yeah, no, the building, I think the building will be pretty good, actually. You know, it'll be cool to be like contributing to downtown Phoenix and having a nice spot and having a storefront again. Because the... It doesn't hurt that you're right next to Pucks either. Yeah. Because those being, are great being, being next to Pucks is a good thing. And uh, they're busy and we'll be busy in the summer. Our customers eat donuts and their customers probably don't raft i guess but no but they see it and yeah, it'll put a it. seed in their brain that maybe we should try that yeah so like our customers like if they see the donuts they salivate but if their customers see our boats i'm not sure what they're they're like what's happening here yeah is there rapids nearby yeah there aren't <laughs> but <laughs> no we're actually gonna drive for an hour before <laughs> yeah um and so, yeah, that's that's going to take up the bulk of my time. I guess, I mean, I might have a big adventure somewhere. I'm going to go to Idaho to, uh, I've got a brother in Idaho and salmon. So I go, I'll go, might go visit him to go skiing this year. And then my other brother, Matt, is going to be in Costa Rica. So that seems like a pretty nice place to go. So maybe I'll go down there and hang out. Is he doing any rafting in Costa Rica? Is he going to start a rafting company down there? Uh, he's an owner in a rafting company down there. Okay. Because yeah, didn't he just... I think it's called... Let me... It's... Uh, did he just get rid of his permits for the Kern? 
or something. Yeah, he's selling his Kern. He owns Kern River Outfitters. He's selling that, and his intention is to um, is to be in Costa Rica, and he's part of. I want to say it's Pacuare something. Let me just double check. Um, and they have a lodge on the Pacuare and uh, and uh, Pacuare River rafting and coast oh Pacuare outdoor center so yeah so he's on the Pacuare and they've got lodging and i think they maybe they've got a zip line thing um they do the old zip dip and sip yeah yeah as you could do that so yeah so they've got a zip line thing they do a four-day trip they've got i don't really know his logistics at all or what he does but he'll be going down there and helping run that he's got a business partner there nice yeah um so maybe maybe i'll go down there i don't know but i like the winter i like uh when i first started guiding the winter would go by very slowly because i really missed the summer and it i loved being around guides and things like that and the winter would just drag on oh it, it also would hurt to be like broke um part way through the winter and be like ah when's rafting season start <laughs> and, uh and then i've had this shift i think it has to do with kids but i've had this shift where um i really enjoy the off season and it's not because i don't like rafting and it's not because i don't like the socializing that comes with it but it's just because i get to focus on other things for a little bit right so because our season's so every rafting company is like this where it's so compressed you're trying to squeeze a year's worth of revenue into six months or whatever and when you do that you it's not like for me anyway i could not run this business five days a week and take two days off i would not be able to do that and i know you know that's kind of a standard schedule for a lot of folks that are working more regular non-seasonal jobs. But for us, we, especially since we don't have a manager, Julie and I, and a lot of our guides and drivers will sometimes work more than five days a week. And I, I think that I work seven days a week, basically from May until the middle of September. And so this time of year, and I, and in that time frame, it's hard to do anything else. Right. It's, it's hard to make time to do anything, even if you have a day. Yeah. What really can you accomplish in a 24-hour period when your phone is still going to go off because something's going to happen that day? Yeah. So, so this time of year is really nice to do other things. And we're really involved with the community. Did you... So, do you, do you have enough time to get the salt hooked back up? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, we need a new softener now. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah we're on a well here. Um, and I'm not good at maintaining the well, I guess. Um, but, yeah, so stuff, you know, projects like that, there's things that have been bugging me over the last year that like just maintenance stuff that I get to spend time on. I've got a lot of ideas for next summer also. Oh, like, okay. Kinda, I hate to reinvent things, but I've got like 
some new ideas that no one else is doing that I think would really... I don't want to do things just to sell trips. I want to do things that make our trips better. Yeah. Do things and, that make the trips more fun. I think that sometimes easier. people focus on things that will help you sell trips. And that's like fluff. Yeah. Like, what are what is it that we can say we do that will get people to book with us? But in reality, people want to go on these trips and be comfortable and have a good time and having a, have a meaningful experience. And we already do that. And I just want to nail down a few things and make the trips themselves improved. Because, uh, and some of them won't be things that we necessarily talk about as a sales pitch. But I'm looking forward. So I'm kind of doing some tinkering and okay. and I and thinking a lot of thinking. So. A lot of pondering. Yeah. First, I've, first I have my pondering drink. Pondering juice. Pondering juice, <laughs> and then I go to my warehouse where I must have another pondering juice. <laughs> then so. you come up with all sorts of great ideas. Yeah, then I come up with all sorts of ideas. So nice. try to try to focus on things that aren't going to cost a huge amount of money, that aren't going to increase the cost of our trips for folks, uh, but will improve either our operation for guides and drivers or uh, provide a, a better customer experience. Nice. Yeah. Well, I think that's about enough. What, what is it that we say in the industry? Bada bing, bada boom. Oh, bada bing, bada boom. Oh, wait, I heard another one. No, that's the end. Huh? When you're done, you say bada bing, bada boom. Oh. Yeah, there's... Okay. That's what we say in the industry. Which now. one do you want to say? Uh, I'll do the boom part. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for stopping in. Hope you had a great time. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> <laughs>